What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Brothers Fantasy Football Podcast, that podcast by two brothers from the same mother, giving you their takes, hits, analysis, and everything in between as it pertains to fantasy football. As usual, it is your boy Derek here with the older bro, Daryl. Daryl, my man, how you feeling today? We got some tight end talk to do. Good man, looking forward to digging into these tight ends. Um, seeing, seeing what ha- seeing what had happened during the year. Um, got our first week since like late August or whatever with no football this weekend. So you know, gonna have to gonna have to get over the shakes and whatnot from from withdrawals. But um, but yeah, man, all in all, doing all right. Ready to talk some ball. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. And like you said, first weekend since August without any football, whether it's college or NFL. But hey, we got college hoops and NBA to keep us warm if you are interested in those things, as well as hockey, hockey as well. So plenty of other sports to dive into. As mentioned, we are going to get into some tight end talk today, kind of go in detail of numbers one through 12 and hit some notes on other guys outside of that. But before we even get into that, I want to turn it over to you, Daryl. If you want to get any thoughts on the football we saw this past weekend in the championship games with Detroit and San Fran, as well as Baltimore and Kansas city. Yeah. I think the number one thing in my head is how Baltimore just kind of, you know, to, to quote Coach Thirty, um, pissed down their leg <laughs> uh, with, with, with that game. You know, like their their offense just it was just stuck in mud. You know, Kansas City just came out and walloped them boys, and I don't know. It was it, it was very very shocking to see. I thought that maybe what we saw um, the way Baltimore approached the Texans. You know, Houston gave them what for in the first half as far as you know. The, Houston defense versus the Baltimore offense. And then they went in, Baltimore came out, made some adjustments, and bing, bang, boom, they put the beats on the Texans in the second half. And I thought, you know, maybe we were going to see a similar thing, but they were just never able to get anything going. And then when they did get it going, just the silliest stuff happening with um, with the Zay Flowers, um, with the Zay Flowers taunting, and then him fumbling into the end zone, just like, just like an all-time piss down your leg type moment uh, for for them. Like that's my that, that that's the biggest thing. And I guess you could also have a piss down your leg uh, for for what Detroit did, um, gacking up that seventeen point lead um, to the 49ers. But I think that's a little bit more understandable because one, the Detroit defense hadn't been worth any hadn't been worth much the whole season. Number one, and then number two. San Francisco's offense has been a goddamn juggernaut all year. So like maybe that's not um that's not as surprising as what happened with Baltimore though. So yeah, th- those are the things that kind of stick out in my mind from championship weekend. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm not gonna add any other thoughts to the Baltimore uh Kansas City game because I mean you touched upon it well. Like the offense was just I don't know, man, and then the mistakes, but I felt bad about the Detroit-San Francisco game because um, I was really hoping for Detroit to get that win. And they came out with that start, and it was just like, whoa, okay, Detroit is here. And then, personal note, I went to a baby shower on a co-ed baby shower on Saturday, 
And the father to be is a big time Detroit fan. He's originally from um, Michigan, if you will. So I was like, I was telling him, I was like, man, I'm excited to, you know, see you guys do this. Like it's possible. I think, you know, the offense is there. You got to worry about the defense, but um, yeah, the second half happened and that first drive started and I felt really bad because again, I was cheering for my boy, but then I also went on a little bed nap after that first drive of the second half and saw a little plus 225 on San Fran. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> <sighs> let me go ahead and scoop that. Let, let me let me go ahead and put a couple units on that. And happy for me in that aspect, but for my homie, man, I, I hate that it had to the season had to end like that because you know the offense on their side looks so good in the first half, and then yeah, the defense could not hold it down at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the offense had some hiccups too, with you yeah. know the couple drops from Josh Reynolds and that Jameer Gibbs fumble you know whether it's his, his fault or not you know um and all that stuff and I, I don't even want to touch on that I don't even want to get into the whole fourth down debate because I think oh. that's just silly talk um I, I think what they did was perfectly fine and I'll just leave it at that but yeah man Detroit boy they had it they they gotta be they gotta be sick they 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 gotta be absolutely sick about that one like that's a that's a tough way to go out very reminiscent of um of the Oilers gacking up that lead to the Bills way back in the in the early nineties. Um, yeah, but yeah, similar vibes. Yeah, similar vibes indeed. So we'll have Kansas City against San Fran in the city of Vegas to happen next week. Um, maybe we'll have some talk about that in, in next week's episode. But let's go ahead and dig into these tight ends. And we won't be leaving Detroit because uh, tight end one was Detroit's tight end, Sam Laporta. Sam Laporta had 86 receptions for 889 yards, had 10 touchdowns to go with that. Man had 14.1 fantasy points per game in PPR leagues. Tight end one, Sam Laporta. Daryl, talk to me about this, man. Yeah, and crucially dude was a rookie so yep. you know th this man just came into the league and put pelts on the wall like that's uh, i it, it goes back to what we kind of talked about earlier in the season um when during draft season about you know the prevailing wisdom is that tight ends you know they take a couple years before they really break out and blah 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 and like the, the the truth behind it is, and it was something that Dwayne McFarland like pointed out um, to to me anyway, not personally, just through podcasts that I listen to of him. It's like it's not that rookie tight ends are bad; they just don't tend to get opportunities. And this dude came out, and from day one, you know, he was he he was the starter. Um, so yeah, just kind of digging more into his his year, he has seven top five finishes. He played like all. First off, he played all 16 um, fantasy relevant games during during the season. So, you know, he had that working for him as far as the consistency and just being available. Of those 16 games, he had seven top five finishes. Man was out there for 79% of the routes, 24% targets per route run. Rookie or not, that's just, you know, that's 
he's a huge part of that offense. And like, that's kind of the threshold you're looking for, for a tight end one. It's around 80% of the routes and 20 plus percent of the targets per route run. Those guys tend to finish as tight end ones, like, you know, basically in the top 12, this dude just did it and finished as the tight end one on the year. Um, right. One thing that really start, stood out to me about him was he had 31% of their end zone targets this year. That's, that's how you end up as the tight end one Ooh. on the year. Like, this man is, like, when I say he's integral to their offense, he is integral to their offense. You know, like, that's they, they look for him when it's money time. So, you know, his outlook – his outlook for next year has to be has to be pretty damn good. Um, I'm I'm reluctant to say to just declare him tight end one. Um, you know, as of right now, like for for next year, but um, that's just because I haven't thought through it enough. But I think there's certainly a case to be made um, for for him as like you know probably the first tight end off the board coming into next year. But we'll talk through some other guys, so maybe maybe I'll come off that a little bit. Um, and last but not least. Just want to throw this out there. Um, his point total would have had him finish as wide receiver 19 on the year, just ahead of DK Metcalf. So this this dude was just a home run all the way around, especially given draft capital and, and whatnot for him. So, like, yeah, just, just a stellar, stellar um, tight end season from him. Yeah, absolutely. And – the thing there is that the 10 touchdowns like that, that's just crazy for a rookie tight end to have. But to that note that you said, like, yes, rookie tight ends aren't usually getting this kind of opportunity when they come in, when they come in, but the talent profile was there. And so when he came to this team, the tight ends that they had were like Brock Wright and some other guys that, you know, weren't well-known names, not heavy pass catchers or anything, but, have been at least threats in the red zone area where they had touchdowns. And so we came in with that expectation of like, okay, Sam Laporta could be a threat here, especially considering Jamison was going to be missing the first four games for the suspension. And man, he came out week one, um, had a solid performance there and it just kept building upon that. And for next year, like you had mentioned, him being a tight the tight end one drafted, it wouldn't surprise me because there's no there's nothing that's stopping you from saying, yeah, Detroit should still be able to have a similar offense and still have these same opportunities in the red zone. So yeah, overall a great season for him. 27% targets per route run, two yards per route run, eight top five finishes if you include week 18. Excellent season for him. And yes. He probably will. If he's not the tight end one, he's definitely within tight end two or three next year easily. Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 totally on board with that. And um, just just want to also mention, you know, if we remember back to you know draft season last year and you know reports coming out of camp, there was always a positive drumbeat around him. And you know, it's easy to kind of hindsight this stuff, but like if we think about the makeup of that team, you know, who, who else was really going to be the competition sure. for him um, in, in, you know, red zone, end zone type looks, because 
you know, Amon Ra is great, but he's he's not the biggest dude. That's, you know, you, you don't really think of, of J-Mo in that same way. You know, Khalif Raymond, um, Josh Reynolds, you know, it, it, it made all the sense in the world that that would be a role that was sitting there waiting for him. Um, not to say that we should have foreseen a tight end one overall finish, but like the, the runway was clear from day one for him. And looking back on it, it seems it seems kind of obvious. I hope I'm not just playing the result there because I I, I didn't draft him in a lot of redraft leagues um, as my tight end one, um, um, even like as my starting tight end, I should say. Um, but like looking back on it, I think maybe it was a little clearer than what than what we thought. So like that'll just be something to carry into next year in case this happens to some other dude, like maybe Brock Bowers or something. Right. Good point there. Let's go on with tight end number two, Evan Ingram of the Jacksonville Jaguars, 114 receptions, 963 yards, four touchdowns as well. Good for 13 and a half fantasy points per game in PPR leagues. With Evan Ingram, he led tight ends um, in routes ran. He had only four weeks where he was not a tight end one or basically a top 12 tight end, if you will. It was just one of those things where he was just the ultimate security blanket for Trevor Lawrence this season. Um, despite the season that Trevor had, which, you know, was below expectations, Evan Ingram more than fully exceeded that from a fantasy perspective. Um, with those 143 targets, he only had one week where he didn't see at least six targets in every game played with the exception of week one. And then even in week one, he was still the tight end five on the week, despite receiving only five targets. So it's just one of those things where he was mad consistent because of the share that he received. Um, Some of it could have been influenced from, you know, the Christian Kirk injury, but by and large, when all three of these guys were still out there between Ridley, Kirk and Ingram, this man was still getting his target. So tight end two right here in this season. Next year, I am not. I would not expect him to be drafted there, but going as a top five tight end, absolutely, he's going to be in there. Yeah, and you, you you punctuated it like just uh, very well. Like he was he was Mr. Consistency this year. You know, he just, just kind of – he showed up for you every week and – in a position that's as shallow and as finicky as the tight end position is in fantasy, you know, that's, that, that's extremely valuable. Um, uh, you know, to, to your point as well, you know, I don't, I don't think he'll be coming off the board as tight end too um, next year, but um, he, he'd be a guy, you know, I would, I'd be happy settling for, you, you know what I mean? Like if, um, mm-hmm. if, if, you know, I want to, I want to wait a little bit, on on tight end like he, he'd be a guy i'd be happy to get um to get my hands on because I, I believe i believe he's back in jacksonville um next year and they're gonna be in some flux you know maybe like what to do with calvin Ridley. um you know they they could be making some moves with their receiving core but um he was you know ingram was a vital piece of this offense and so i imagine his role will um uh, will, will stay about the same for, for next year. So like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally right there with you on, on him. 
For sure. I'll have some questions for you regarding him um, after we go over a couple of these other tight ends. But let's move forward with Travis Kelsey at tight end number three. Not where we usually see this man, but 93 receptions, 984 yards with five touchdowns. Thoughts on Travis Kelsey this season? Yeah, so he he's a he's a mixed bag a little bit. Um because like he he basically boils down to he didn't pay off his first round draft capital. You know, um if you're going to take the, you know, the I'm not breaking any new ground here, but the thesis behind taking him in the first round was that essentially you're getting a guy with the production of a wide receiver one in the tight end spot, and that's going to that's going to put your opponents behind the eight ball every week. Um, we're, we're trying to make up for uh, trying to make up for for the for the distance that Kelsey puts between himself and your opponent's tight end, and that didn't pay off this year. So, in a way, that kind of hurt teams. Um, I, I, I had several teams personally that were kind of hurt by um, by that bit of the of the Travis Kelsey gambit, if you will not not bearing out um but the reason i say it's a mixed bag is because he still had a solid year though you know he was still good he's you know seven top five finishes ten top eight finishes um you know he was he he was solid he he, he was really really solid this year it's just he had set such a such a high standard for himself that you know it's it's easy to kind of look back and say Damn, man, why, you know, I, I, I wanted a little bit more, you know, I, I needed some seconds. <laughs> and, you know, you look at it compared to last year, you know, last year he was at 19.2 fantasy points per game. This year dropped down to 14.6. You know, they, he, he was still tied for the lead in points per game um, in, in fantasy uh, for, for tight ends. But, you know, losing five points per game, that's that's pretty big. And so – you know, it's that's why, yeah, that, that that's just the whole thing about the mixed bag. Now, looking spinning it forward for him, you know, there's there's probably a legit chance that he retires at the end of the season. Um, so this may have been his last ride, and if it was, you know, still a hell of a way to go out at least making it to the Super Bowl. Maybe they maybe they um they come out with the win and um and he's able to ride off into the sunset with um with this new girlfriend he has. Um, but yeah, if he were, if he were to come back, I could see a case for him being drafted tight end one again next year. Because if you remember, you know, he was, he was hurt to start the year. There's a case to be made that he never really got right until, until the end of the season. Um, but you know, his route shares went down and all that kind of stuff. So maybe it was the effects of age. It's, it's just a whole, it's, it's a little bit cloudy around him for next year as if, if he does come back. Um, but yeah, Travis Kelsey, solid year, just wasn't, you know, it just wasn't what you paid for. Yeah, the main the main highlight with him was just the tell of two halves uh, for his season. So from week one to week eight, and obviously he missed week one, that game against Detroit, um, he was averaging about 19 and a half PPR points per game on a 26% target share, 34% target per route run, and 2.9 yards per route run. Folks, that, those are really elite numbers for a wide receiver. This They're hella elite for um, a tight end. 
but then he was only the tight end nine week nine through 17. And again, tight end nine isn't bad, but for this guy that you invested for your first round pick, it, it's bad in that scenario. Um, only 10.4 points per game in PPR leagues and then around 20% target share, 20% target per route run, 1.5 yards per route run. So those numbers aren't bad, but again, it's just within the context of you drafted this guy in the first round as a tight end and that second half of the season is not going to cut the mustard for you. So he'll be a topic of discussion, kind of as Daryl mentioned, maybe he might retire with, like you said, his new girlfriend, um, you know, on his side or, you know, other things may transpire, but yeah, overall decent season. Well, good season for him, but not good enough for where you drafted him in fantasy. If you had to guess, um, do you think he comes back next year? I would say so. Like I haven't seen anything like athletic production wise that it's like, oh yeah, he needs to retire. But you know, some guys like to go out on top. Some guys just have a certain age in mind and they ride off in the sunset. But I think he's gonna come back. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 I feel that. Like if I'm him personally. Um... I look at my legacy, like, if they win the Super Bowl this year, it's a perfect time to leave and not have to come back or worry about just oh, yeah. taking your knees out every week. Because, <laughs> you know, especially the, the way he gets hit, man, football looks like it hurts, man. So, like, you can just be like, man, I'm, like, I'm going to go on tour with my girl, get the studio time. He looks like he's trying to become a rapper at some point. Like, he, he might <laughs> – I can see Travis trying to drop a hot 16 on somebody, you know, and like, hey, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> hey, I mean, oh, yeah. it might, it might be that time if you win the Super Bowl, but yeah. he's, he's a we'll see guy, but I'll at least say this. I think based on what we've seen and what we kind of know, I wouldn't expect him to be a first round pick if he does come back. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's that, that ship has sailed for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm with yeah. you on that. All right, tight end four on the season was TJ Hawkinson, 95 receptions, 960 yards on 127 targets, had five touchdowns. Talk to me about TJ Hawkinson, my man. This dude had a solid year, man, Um, a a, a super solid year. 81% of the routes, 24% targets per route run. That um, 80-20, and this is according to Fantasy Life, um, weeks one through 17, just should have said mentioned that earlier. Um, but yeah, hit that 80 20 threshold, and look what we have. We we have a tight end one. Um, seven top five finishes, 10 top 10 finishes. Um, mm. so he was another one who was who was pretty consistent, and he tied, you know, according to fantasy pros, um, the way they calculate points, he tied Travis Kelsey for the most tight end points per game this year. So just a really super productive season. Um, the disappointing thing was, though, I think he he tore his ACL week 16, I think, so he wasn't available for fantasy teams um, in in the um, in the championship round, which kind of sucked. But you know, it's nothing that you can ding him for. It's just a matter of you know, now you you kind of spin forward. Is he gonna? He probably won't be ready to start the season next year. Um, so he's gonna be an interesting case of when you draft him. Um, you know, he, he certainly benefited this year from the eight or so games that Justin Jefferson missed. 
But, you know, um, Justin Jefferson played four full games, you know, weeks one through four. And then he got hurt week five. So, you know, in those four full, full games that he and Hawkinson Hock, played together, Hawkinson finished tight end three, tight end one, tight end four, tight end 29. So um, he was still getting it done when Jettis was was around. So, you know, if he's – it seems like guys are coming back faster and faster from ACLs. So if he's able to 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 be back to, you know, somewhere near full, full strength or just be able to start the year um, ne- next season, um, I, I think a case can be made to, to, to draft him kind of, you know, maybe maybe at a round or two discount from – or maybe round or three discount from where he was going – this year, but he did. I think the crucial thing about him is, you know, he he was tied in for, and he showed that he could produce with Justin Jefferson in the lineup. So, you know, yeah. I, I guess I guess the other big thing too uh, that's swirling is um, where is Kirk Cousins going to end up uh, this um, for the 2024 season because he's a free agent right now. Um, so yeah, there, there's some stuff still in the air with Hawkinson regarding his knee and the quarterbacking situation for next year. But if the if they are to return to status quo, I think he might be somebody that you could kind of um, rely on at a bit of a discount from what you had to pay for him this year. Yeah, those are the two layers to it. It's going for next season. It's going to be about the injury, you know, the news that we'll get between now and draft time, and then what they decide to do at the quarterback position. Um you know, if they decide to, you know, scrap going cousins and go with the rookie route, you know, I'll probably be less as high on Hawkinson as I normally would if cousins was there. But yeah, a, a point you made that I liked was that, you know, he was still producing whether Jefferson was in the lineup or not. And he still produced even when Kirk cousins was out. Now those five, um, now five of his top five finishes were with Kirk, but you know, he still produced tight end one numbers with backups in there. So still an overall great season for TJ Hawkinson. And we wish him well during this time dealing with the injury and the surgery. Yeah. If Kirk moves on, they ought to just go ahead and throw some money at Jacoby Brissett. Wouldn't be a bad move. Yeah. Somebody's going to do it. Wouldn't be bad. <laughs> yeah. Tight end number five. George Kittle for the San Francisco 49ers, 65 receptions, 1,020 yards, six touchdowns, good for 12.7 fantasy points per game. With George Kittle, um, I talked about him as a fade for me coming into this season, and by and large, that was pretty much a miss. I mean, this is probably around where he was being drafted anyways as tight end four or five. So he paid off his price. He did it differently this year as compared to last year. Um, last year he had like the 10 touchdowns and the insane metrics of touchdowns per receptions. But this year he did it by the yards, by big plays. Um, according to fantasy pros of the 65 receptions he had, 31 of those were 20 20 yards plus um clearly like above everyone else in that metric the next person in line was david and joku with 21 so george kittle 
whether it's big plays or touchdowns, it looks like he going to get his production um, anyways for you in fantasy. Um, 2.5 yards per route run. Um, last season it was at two yards per route run, but as I mentioned, it wasn't 10 touchdowns. It was 11. So still finished here in the same realm, but just did it a different way. Finally, he led tight ends in receiving yards, having 65 uh, led tight ends in receiving yards. Granted, only has 65 receptions, which, which I found amazing, which 65 receptions was the 10th most among tight ends. So solid season for Kittle. Did it a different way this year. Still producing. Yeah. Um, Kittle, you know, this was Mr. Boom Bust, you know, and that's the, that's the George Kittle experience. Um, you know, the seven top five finishes, six top three finishes, right? And the nine games that he didn't finish top five, seven of them had him finish as tight end twenty two or worse. <laughs> so <laughs> this he was a he was a real yeah. real boom bust type of dude this year. So, um, but but you know that's what you signed up for. That's how that's that's how. That's just the George Kittle ride that you go on. And it's a function of, you know, him being in an offense that just has, you know, three, three other top tier weapons. So, you know, it just, it just kind of is what it is with, um, with, with him. Um, So, yeah, you can't really, you know, there's no, no, no need to, you can't really complain about it. It's just, yeah. When, when you draft him, you you just know that that's what it's going to be um, with him, and that's when he does when he does hit his spike weeks. The dude is a monster, and yeah. when he doesn't, you know you're gonna need some help from somewhere else. Like that's yeah. that, that's just how, that's his get down. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. A good note you made there is about the consistency and the boom bust nature of it as compared to like a guy like Evan Ingram, who, you know, pretty much every week was giving you top five, top 10 tight end performances, whereas Kittle was all across the board. So good notes by you, my brother. Yes, sir. Tight end six. We move on with David and Joku for the Cleveland Browns, 81 receptions on 882 yards or on 123 targets that results in 882 yards and has six touchdowns good for 12.6 fantasy points per game. I'll turn it over to you. Talk to me about Njoku. Well, I think the big thing here is, you know, is the late season breakout that we saw from him is, is that for real? Um, Because, you know, this dude, he has, he has the athletic profile it appears he has the skills, you know, his, his, um, his ability to rack up yak yardage is, you know, it, it's up there with the top tight ends in the league. You know, he, he he's an absolute monster of, of, of an athlete and especially in the open field. Um, you look at him from weeks 10 through 17, he was out there for 79% of the routes, 28% targets per route run. Woo. That's that's insane, especially for a tight end. So, ooh, you know, he, he was just getting crazy usage, um, you know, week, weeks 10 through 17. I don't remember exactly when Flacco took over, but um, he, he was Flacco's guy 
um, during during the Flacco stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, in those over those last eight weeks of the season, he had five top five finishes, and during the fantasy playoffs, he finished as tight end two, four, and two. So like this dude, like he came out of one leagues um, for for people over the second half of the season, and he just. It didn't look fluky. It didn't look out of place. Like he looked like a dude who was just a dominant athlete on the football field. And that's that's you know anybody who looked at his profile, you know that that's what we were looking for and waiting for from him. And it came to fruition. Now it's just a matter of okay, we start looking at twenty twenty four. Deshaun will in all likelihood be back in the saddle again. What are we gonna do about Njoku then? Um, because yep. you know the offense didn't look particularly great. Uh, well, let I me mean, not say that. Joku's usage wasn't particularly great with with, with Deshaun, and um, they didn't pass as much with Deshaun as they did with Flacco. I mean, Flacco was throwing the ball like upper thirties, low forties, in a, in attempts, like uh, pretty damn you know damn near week in and week out when he was out there. So it's like, what's that offense going to look like? And I think you know those kind of those muddy waters are, you know, are going to be the kind of thing where I think Njoku is either going to be way overdrafted or he's going to be a steal next year. I think you're going to be hard pressed to draft him at where he's going to finish because it's just it's just super murky. But as far as like looking at this year, the boy came out and he balled. He, he he took teams to titles or to championship uh at least championship weeks and yeah it was it was everything you've been wanting to see for, for from him um and hopefully it spills over into next season yeah it'll it'll be interesting times with him because of the Watson and Flacco stat splits um first off fantasy hero as you mentioned uh was the tight end one during championship weeks week 15 through 17 i shed a tear as i had him on two teams that made it to the finals and neither one of them won a ship but he did his part (laughs) um 282 yards during those three weeks led all tight ends by 70 yards over the next guy of george kittle he tied with 22 receptions during that time frame with the next guy we'll talk about and he had two touchdowns during that time and of course, this was with Joe Flacco um, when he had this production. And so here are the keynotes with Flacco versus Watson. So Flacco was there week 13 through 17. Here's in Joku's stats 2.5 yards per route run, 30 receptions, 390 yards, four touchdowns, was the tight end one during that time frame with 12.2 points per game. The finishes were 26 two four and two is that good that's excellent that's excellent correct now when we look at his production with deshaun watson who was there weeks one through three as well as nine through ten his finishes were tight in 28 17 23 13 and seven saw a mixture of one yard per route run in weeks one through three Weeks 9 and 10, it was 1.5 yards per route run. Now, the thing about weeks 9 and 10, the target share and target per route run numbers were good at 25% target share 
27% target per route run. So though a small sample size in those two weeks, um, you would think that Deshaun would be watching this Flacco film. Cleveland will watch the Flacco film and be like, yeah, and Joku good. We got to feature him. <laughs> <laughs> of course, along with Amari there and whatnot, I'm not sure of Amari's contract situation, but I believe Njoku will definitely be there next year. So, yeah, he's going to be an interesting uh, person that we'll be talking about through the offseason and early into the season as far as his range of outcomes for sure. Yeah, they 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 can't. They can't put that toothpaste back in the tube, man. Like you, you just saw what this guy was was doing. And the thing is, too, like this boy would be wide ass open on a lot yep. of these plays. Like he was just wide ass open. And Cleveland played a pretty a pretty difficult schedule this year. I, I, I want to say, uh, well, one they they were in a tough division and whatnot. So like everybody from the coaches to Deshaun and whatnot, they just pop that tape in and just be like, yeah, th- th- this stuff here. Let's keep doing that. Like they, they absolutely have to, um, or, or so you would think. And to your point uh, about Amari, yes, he will be back next year. He's on the books for twenty three point eight million dollars. So, yeah, Ooh, I boy. think he'll be back next year. Yeah. <laughs> All right, good deal, good deal. Let's get into the second half of the top twelve tight ends. We'll start with number seven, Trey McBride. Tight end for the Arizona Cardinals. Finished the season with 81 receptions on 106 targets, 825 yards, and three touchdowns. I'm going to hop in here first because I'm going to wax poetic on my man, Trey McBride. Wax on. Now, for some reason, Arizona had to bring Zach Ertz back off the tight end, off the injury last year, make sure he was ready for week one and had to feature my guy, um, Zach Ertz, for some reason. Don't know why, but after the time that Zach Ertz went out with his injury in week seven, weeks eight through 17, Trey McBride time, 27% target per route run. The tight end two during weeks eight through 17, and David Njoku had one more game played with him because David Njoku didn't have a bye during this time. So very well, if we would have looked at this as total stats and Trey McBride had an extra game during this time frame, he probably would have been a tight end one during this time frame. Nevertheless, had the third most yards at 621 yards during the time frame. Again, week 8 through 17, had 15.2 PPR points per game. 27.4 target share led all tight ends 28 percent target per route run that tied with david and joku so basically the 27 percent target per route run i said earlier was for the season the 28 percent is during this week 8 through 17 i keep moving 2.2 yards per route run that tied with tj hawkinson at second by the way observe observe that during week 8 through 17 george kittle had 2.9 yards per route run absurd back to trey mcbride 22.1% of the team air yard share his finishes during this time frame from week eight through 17. Tight end one, tight end 27, two, 12, seven, three, three, 21, 12, seven. Trey McBride. I'm, I'm that dude. T McB, man. 
I'm better than you. My shape up better. My car fast. My drips better. My clothes better. My holes better. My tattoos better. I'm stronger than you. Trey McBride. What's up? Yeah, man. And look, you know, as you as you mentioned, he he led the team in targets per route run. You know, like that's that's the dream scenario for um for, for tight ends, you know, and he really kind of he blossomed once Zach Ertz got injured slash moved out the paint. Um so you know it makes you think you know, as, as things stand now, it makes you think the outlook for him for next season is pretty good. You know, there are no tight ends on the roster that are noteworthy, and maybe that's just my my, my ignorance of Travis Vokalek, Blake Whitehart, Bernard Sykovitz, and Jeff Swain. Um, oh, Jeff Swain is actually going to be a free agent, so scratch him. So, you know, he he's the number one receiving option of anybody that's going to be on the, on the roster because – Marquise Brown is due to be an unrestricted free agent. You know, Michael Wilson, Rondell Moore will be back. And then there's really just no other pass catchers of note. So, you know, obviously Arizona will have some work to do in beefing up their pass catching core um, going, going into next season. So things aren't his, his outlook for next season isn't in concrete quite yet, but you know, he is, he, he's the best they have on the roster as of right now. So um, things, things are looking pretty good pending whatever they end up doing um, in the draft. You know, they thought they were going to be due a pretty high pick coming from the Texans this year, but the Kimbe Mutombo finger, no, no, no. <laughs> Their own pick will be higher than the one they got from us. So, you know, who, who knows what, what they're going to do. Uh, wide receiver wise, I forget where their pick is for, for for this year, but it's going to be pretty high. So I think they'll they'll be they could get one of the good receivers that's, that's coming out this year. But still, you know, he'll be competing with a rookie. But yeah, the the way he just kind of took off in the second half of the year, and the way he just kind of bullied the target share, um, it's tentatively looking wheels up for him going into next season. Absolutely, absolutely. Hashtag they thought in in regards to that um, Houston comment on the pick. <laughs> um, so yeah, Arizona has the fourth pick. My assumption or thoughts are that they aren't taking a quarterback. That would be my only concern with Trey uh, McBride if they did take a quarterback and they were trying to, you know, see what they want to do with Kyler and whatnot. But I don't think that's what's happening. Um, at the fourth pick, I don't think Marvin Harrison Jr. will fall there, but if perchance he did, that would be an interesting piece. But yeah, next season, I think it should be wheels up are around the same for Trey McBride, assuming no new quarterback or no heavy wide receiver threat coming in and stealing from him. Yeah. And even if Marvin Harrison isn't on the board, there's still some good wide receivers in this in, in this oh, draft. Yeah. So like so, something will be on the way. But yeah, um, you know, I think man, that, that could probably only help him if um if they get some some other credible threat and Michael Wilson was pretty good this year. I, you know, he'll be interesting to see his, his development next year as well. But yeah, man, um, shout out to Trey McBride, man. It, 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 he, he put down some good tape this year and I'll be looking to, to add him to my draft portfolio um, come draft season. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with it. Yeah, absolutely. And even though this is a 
tight end discussion we're having. It's still just funny to me that Arizona has a lower pick and then Carolina traded their pick to Chicago and Chicago's picking at one this year and they took Bryce and we got CJ. That's funny. And we picked second because Lovey went out there and won that game against the Colts. It's all funny, man. It is all funny. But let's move forward. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to put a statue of Lovey outside NRG, man. <laughs> yeah, got to. All right, let's keep it moving, man. Um, Cole Komet comes in at tight end eight from the Chicago Bears. 73 receptions on 90 targets, 719 yards, and six touchdowns. Talk to me about Cole Komet. Yeah, so this... You know, this is the first guy we've talked about who I'm just kind of eh, as far as um, as far as like next year concerned. But let's let's look at him um, for, for, from this year before we start getting all um, Maylock's moment for about next year. Um, so he was second on the team in in target share, uh, around 19 percent of targets. Very, you know, very good on his face. Second on the team in targets per route run at 24% um, targets per route run. That's that's damn good, too. The problem with him this past year, though, was that, you know, for, for the fantasy relevant part of the season, um, he was only out there for about 68, 69% of the routes. So, like, that's a little lower than what you wanted to see. And then you combine that with you know, that kind of low ceiling offense that they were running out there. Um, you know, I, I it was kind of a miracle that he made it to to this high on on the this high on the tight end board to, to end the year. Sorry, tripping over my words there a little bit. But um you know this feels to me like somebody had to finish tight end eighth. And it, it was it, it just so happened to be <laughs> Cole, Cole Komet, you know, um, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of excitement there, like recapping his year or or anything like that. To me, just you know, there there wasn't a whole lot of you know. He had two top five finishes on the year. He had a, he had a bunch of top ten joints and whatnot. So like he was kind of he was kind of fine, but I don't think there was ever really a point in the year where you were just like. Man, I'm so glad I have Cole Komet. You know, like I, I feel like this is somebody who I can rely on. He's, you know, he just kind of he got there because he showed up in a way. Like, so that's um, I don't know. I'm sorry to be dogging on him, but I just don't have a whole lot positive about this year. Number one and number two, like what's going to be happening with this team um, next year? You know, the jury's still out on what they're gonna do. Quarterback wise, um, you know, I think I think maybe one of the good things is there's not a whole lot of competition left on the roster at the end of this year. But I mean, hell, he was second. Like I said, he was second on the team and in target share and in targets per route run. So you know, he's yeah. kind of starting off from a decent place uh, for, for for next year. But this isn't this isn't a dude that I'll be going out of my way to target. For, for next year like that's so th that's for sure you know he gets the award for he, he got like the perfect attendance award this year and that's um th that's kind of where he stands with, for, for me like i don't think there's anything particularly special about this season from him 
My goodness. Yeah, that's, that's immediately what I thought you were giving him just a class participant, <laughs> class participation award. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. But I mean, you know, tight end eight is where he finished. He was ADP tight end 14. So I'll give him kudos there. Um, had nine top 10 tight end finish finishes. So that's pretty good. And then he had 11 games where he saw five or more targets. So he was more than, you know, a helpful streaming tight end in situations. Um, and that's probably where you, where you had him. It wasn't like you just drafted him to be your tight end one. So, you know, helpful for teams in that nature. But, yeah, it wasn't anything where he was giving you any high ceiling outputs out here. So good for him. Tight end eight, Cole Komet. Yeah, kudos to Cole. Kudos to Cole indeed. Tight end nine, we go with Jake Ferguson from the Dallas Cowboys. 102 targets on the season, has 71 receptions for 761 yards and five touchdowns. Any thoughts you have on Jake Ferguson? Well, you know, I thought that well, like maybe there was a little bit of meat left on the bone um, with him, given how, um, you know, we, we talked during the quarterback episode about how Dak just went on that tear. Um, kind of, you know, midway through the season um, all the way to like right up until the fantasy playoffs and then he just stopped. And, um, and for, you know, Jake Ferguson was just, oh, he was okay during that stretch. He was never really like a weekend, week out kind of guy. He was, he was fairly boom busty during that, during that period. Um, and the thing is like, you saw like in crucial games and like during the playoffs where um, he looked really good out there. You know, he, he has some moments where he looked good. He, he looked like a good athlete, strong catch radius, like all that stuff. It just didn't really bear out into like a dominant tight end finish season. You know, we were hoping for, um, we we're hoping for maybe like a, a Dalton Schultz type of, you know, what Dalton Schultz did in um, 2022. We were hoping that that would be Cole Komet for 2023, and that it didn't necessarily, you know, work out that way. Um, I think Jake I'd be Ferguson okay with met. going. Say again? Jake Ferguson, you met. You had said Cole Komet. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Got got Komet on the brain. My bad. Um, but, yeah, you know, and, and we, we, look at, we look at next year for him. Um, I think, you know, the tight end – the tight end on the on the Cowboys is I think that'll still be a valuable role next year. Again, you know, as we talked about last week during the um quarterback episode, that offense was really elite for, for the whole season. I know they went out with a whimper, but they were they were elite pretty much the whole year. So he's a piece I would still want to be coming away with um next season. And and I think we have a better picture of what he can be for them. And we just have to keep it in mind that, you know, CD is going to eat and then everybody else kind of gets the gets the scraps. So, you know, w- with that in mind, I think that'll be how, how you approach Cole Komet. But like he'll be somebody that, you know, for a late for a later round tight end. I, I think I could see myself being happy with, uh, with with getting him next year, but he won't be somebody that I'm like th- that I'm targeting, basically. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. One of those like, 
you know, you're hitting running backs, you're hitting wide receivers, you even get you a late round quarterback, and it's like, oh, I got to take a tight end. Here's Jake Ferguson. Oh, yeah, I'm fine with that. Around that kind yeah. of range. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, De- decent, well, good fantasy season for him. Not not decent, but, you know, nine tight end one finishes for him, and then he finished the regular season fairly strong, was the tight end six from week 13 through 18, saw 31 receptions, which tied for the third mo- most among tight ends, a 20% target share, and 1.8 yards per route run. So, yeah, a guy like that, seeing that those kind of numbers and whatnot, I definitely would love that as my late-round tight end um, if he's available. Yeah, yeah, and just to throw it in there, he was second on the team in target share, um, you know, in the same way that uh, Cole Komet was as well. So, but you know, nice. he was only, it was only like 17% overall, but saw 21% targets per route run, which, you know, hey, yeah. that's, that, 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 that's meeting, uh, that, that's meeting the threshold that, that you're looking for there. And, you know, I was out there for about 76% of the routes. So, you know, he, he was right there. He, he, he was, he, he was right there. It's just, man, CD took such a big piece of the pie from like, <laughs> I feel like it was like from the bye week on or like after for the first four weeks on that, you know, everybody else just had to kind of deal with scraps and deservedly so. I mean, CD was a damn monster this year. So, you know, that's Absolutely. we just have to keep that in mind with how we approach Jake Ferguson next year. Yeah, for sure. And with 102 targets, that was within the top, what, six or seven of tight ends target wise. So, yeah, like the little upside there with him. Next up at 10, Dalton Schultz for the Houston Texans, 59 receptions for 635 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, With Dalton Schultz, overall stats, 17% target share, 23% target per route run, 1.6 yards per route run. So, you know, nothing, nothing special there on the yards per route run, but very solid for a tight end. Uh, the thing with him was that he tied for fourth most targets in the red zone at the tight end position with 14 of those. And that was good for seven receptions, 80 yards and five touchdowns. So pretty much when CJ was getting there um, in the red zone, he was looking at the tight end position in particular with uh, Dalton Schultz. And he even had a tight end one performance against the Tampa Bay Bucks, where he went 10 for 130 and one. I think he's kind of in that same bucket as Jake Ferguson um, as a late round tight end. You would have interest in, I would have Ferguson above Schultz um, just speaking on it right now, simply because um, they tend to mix in more tight ends there um, in Houston with Brevin Jordan, for example. Now I don't know his availability for next year if he's under contract, but yeah, I just think Jake Ferguson has a little more upside there um, than Schultz, but you know, overall, from where you were drafting him and where he finished, it's about what you expected, maybe a little bit more. So kudos to him. Yeah. And, you know, with, with drafting him coming into this year, well, well, coming into like this past year, you know, there was, I think there was a lot of perceived potential for upside from him. You know, he had just come off of having a solid year with the Cowboys the year before goes to the Texans and, you know, we didn't know Tank, well, I, I'll, I'll speak for myself. 
I didn't know Tank Dell was going to turn out to be Tank Dell. I didn't know Nico was going to turn out to be Nico. I didn't know CJ Stroud was going to turn out to be CJ Stroud. I just thought, you know, coming into the season that, um, you know, he had a chance to be the number one target earner on, on, on that offense. And it turned out that the Texans drafted a monster quarterback who happened to unlock a month, two monster wide receivers. And, you know, Dalton Schultz, you know, that, that upside play on him didn't, didn't necessarily pan out, but he still had a decent season. So, you know, he, he, he was still, you know, he was still serviceable. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you used him as a streamer. Um, you probably weren't too happy if he was like your number one guy that you, you know, if, if you drafted him as a set it and forget it type, um, you probably weren't particularly happy uh, about that um, because he did, he did have some pretty brutal weeks um, throughout there, but he had some decent weeks as well. So it's just that upside play for him didn't, didn't really turn out, but it looks like he's part of a good offense and you would, you would imagine that it should be getting a little better next year. Um, looking at the contract situation, though, I don't think he's under contract for next year. Oh yeah, yeah. Ne- next year he's on the books as a void year, so like that means he's not. That means he's a free agent. Um, so, as it stands now, as far as guys who are on the actual roster for next year, Brevin Jordan is tied in one. Man, he showed some stuff this year. Um, I, I didn't realize that dude was as fast as all that and. Anyway, um, yeah, Alton Schultz up in the air for next year, but hmm, Raven Jordan, we'll have to do we'll have to do some thinking. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll be some conversation on that if, especially if they don't bring Schultz back. But yeah, we also have a fantasy pod, our fantasy pod, a free agent pod that we'll probably do um, next month sometime. But let's keep it moving. We got two more guys left here. Dalton Kincaid at tight end 11 for the Buffalo Bills, 73 receptions on 91 targets, 673 yards, had only two touchdowns, 150 fantasy points on the year. Talk to me about Mr. Kincaid. Yeah, so his year was interesting in that um, he really kind of took off when Dawson Knox went down with – with the injury and you know he was he was able to get on the field more like he had a stretch from weeks eight nine ten and eleven where his routes were 85 percent 98 percent 89 percent 80 percent um it's just that you know in the weeks that Dawson Knox was there he just couldn't shake Dawson Knox um for you know route, route participation and that ended up kind of being the um kind of being a thorn in his side, you know, for, for fantasy weeks one through 17, he saw 74% of routes and 19% targets per route run. So he's, he was in the area. He was in the area that, you know, that, that, that 80, 20 magic that, that, that you're looking for. Um, but he just didn't quite get there. I'll say this much. He looked, he looks good when he got his time, you know, like the, the kids fast, he can get open. Um, I think he should be a bigger part of their offense next year. Um, You know, Buffalo is another team that they'll probably be, you know, shaking some things up with their receiving core, given, you know, how Steph Diggs kind of limped towards the end of the season. Um, Gabe Davis is 
a free agent, I believe. So, you know, things will be shaken up in their back in, in their backfield, in their in their receiving room. But I think Schultz, I mean Schultz, I think Kincaid showed enough this year that, you know, he should get he should get some more run. Problem is Dawson Knox is still on the books for three more years. So, you know, he could very well run into that same roadblock uh next year. So, you know, his, his outlook his outlook I think will be just as muddy as it is as it was this year with with Knox still kicking around. Um it's one of those things where it feels like he should get more run. He should get more usage. The kid does look good, but it's just like, you know, it's one of those things it's hard to put faith in until you see it. Agree with you there. Um, just a little breakout, though, of his stats. Um, rest of the season after the first five weeks, and that kind of coincided with um, Dawson Knox going out with an injury of his own. He saw 77% of the routes, a 22% target per route run, and a 21% target share, and was the overall tight end 11. Had seven top 10 performances if you include uh, week 18. So, again, that's from week six through week 18. So, uh, from that standpoint, you know, it was it was pretty good. But like you mentioned there with Dawson Knox, um, anytime that he was available to play and whatnot, you know, he wasn't seeing those elite tight end numbers that you would want to see. So overall, I think, you know, Kincaid will still be a guy that you will be drafting next season. But, you know, I don't think he's going to be in the tier of any of those like first seven guys that we talked about. He's going to be down here with Schultz, um, with Ferguson, with a couple other guys that are, you know, outside of the top 12 as well. So for a rookie, though. Very good season for sure. Yeah, yeah, that that much, that much I agree with. Um, <laughs> you know, look as far as what's meant to be on, or as far as what's on the roster, like for sure next year, he's the second best receiving option on the team. Hell, even if you include Gabe Davis, he's he's still like the second best receiving option on that on that team. It's just, you know, are they going to see it the same way, and what what's that usage going to look like? So yeah. He's a he's a he's a bit of a mixed bag for 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 next year for sure. I got you. Before we get into tight end twelve, I want to go back to what I meant to ask you about. Now that we've gone over these guys, mm-hmm. as as far as what you know right now, obviously what you've seen this past season and what you know right now about these teams or situations, and maybe what you expect. Rank these guys in order: Evan Ingram. Mm-hmm. Evan Ingram, David Njoku, Trey McBride. Ooh, okay. Um, I think. Wow, that's that's really tough, man. Uh, Ooh, I'd be happy with all three of them. Uh, Else for anything, <laughs> but um, all right. I think I gotta go with with Evan Ingram number one, just because, as we talked about, he's he's established. We've seen it. He is very integrated into into that offense. Ran into you know, and his numbers should have actually been a little better. You know, he ran into some some bad touchdown luck um, for 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 a big stretch of this year. You know, like he, there was that whole time you know, Evan Ingram can't get into the end zone. And whatnot, and that, you know, that ended up regressing a little bit towards the end of the year. But we've seen it; it's in evidence. He is a part of that 
of that offense. Like they intentionally go to him. Um, second, I'd have to go with McBride. Um, just cause, you know, you know, as we mentioned earlier with his, um, you know, being like the leading target getter on, on that team. And as of right now, there's not a whole lot of competition for, um, for targets on that team. And then I would go with Njoku because, um, well, one, you know, the whole, what's it going to look like when Deshaun is back. And he also has a little bit more target competition with, um, with, with Amari Cooper and, um, well, I can't really even say Elijah Moore, but, but yeah, he has more target competition with, with, um, with Amari Cooper being on the roster. So yeah, Ingram, McBride and Joku for me. Where are you at with it? I would flip for me. I'm flipping um, Ingram and McBride. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, you said Ingram first, right? Yeah, I said Ingram, McBride, then Njoku. Yeah, yeah. So it would be McBride, Ingram, and then Njoku for me. Uh, with McBride, I just like the upside more than Evan Ingram. Um, of course, Ingram. I would. I'm expecting probably the same next season. Like that's still the same kind of consistent getting those five to eight targets a game, if you will. But I just like McBride's ability to have more upside, um, even though Jacksonville will likely be the better offense. So T McB, Ingram, and then Njoku. Obviously, Njoku lasts for what you um discuss here and what we've already discussed with the uncertainty with Deshaun and whatnot. Yeah, and you know that's that that totally makes sense. And you you taking McBride number one, I think, you, I think that's playing fantasy to win right there, right? You're 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 betting on that upside, and if he pops the way the way you um, the way you anticipate, then like that could be just like a game changer as far as your fantasy team goes. So like I'm I'm, I'm completely with that, and you know especially as compared to Evan Ingram, I think this. You could more or less say that this was a ceiling outcome for Evan Ingram this year, you know, minus, you know, he, he had 104 receptions, but only three touchdowns. So he's probably due for another two to three more touchdowns, which would have mm-hmm. taken it up even even further. So, yeah, I, I, I totally I totally get the case you're making there for taking uh, McBride number one uh, among those three. For sure. Yeah, I just wanted to ask that um, question. I meant to ask it after talking about Trey McBride, but forgot to get to that note. And let's cover this last tight end at (laughs) tight end 12 or whatever we want to call him, but he's on the tight end list on Fantasy Bros. Taysom Hill, 33 receptions, 291 yards, three, I'm sorry, two touchdowns receiving and then had 81 rushing attempts for 401 yards and four touchdowns there. Turn over to you. Thoughts on Taysom Hill? I mean, man, I I don't even know what to say about him. Um, It seems like, you know, on any given week, everything is on the table with with, with him. You know, like he could, he could dud. You know, he really, like his floor is super low. His ceiling mm-hmm. is super high. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of, you know, I don't even know how to how you go about predicting which week is going to be which with him because it would seem like that 
the Saints would be, okay, we're going to go Derek Carr, regular quarterbacks, uh, doing regular quarterback stuff in the red zone. Derek Carr pisses down his leg. So the next week, it's the Taysom package in, in the red zone. And then they go back to Derek Carr a few weeks later and blah, blah, blah. And you just never really can get a feel for what he's going to do when. And that's that's kind of the Taysom Hill experience. You know, he was never a guy that I would feel that I would ever feel comfortable putting into my lineup. He just kind of he just kind of got there off a hodgepodge of production um, th- this year. Uh, he's he's really like a one of one in this whole fantasy um, la- landscape. And I bet it'll be the same kind of thing for him uh, for him next year. I'm, I'm pretty sure. He's under contract uh, for next year, and it's going to be the same kind of. I wouldn't even call it a headache because for me it's not a headache <laughs> because he was he was really never in consideration for me. Um, but for people who dabble in such things, um, you know, it's 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 going to be real interesting. Yeah, he's on he's on the books for fifteen point eight mil for the next two years actually. Um, so, yeah, man, it's. It's Taysom is just Taysom, and I, I, I don't I don't really have a coherent um, a coherent thought process toward him, except that I'm trying to never be in a situation where I'm having to consider him um, by by weeks included. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> um, you know, in our family league, he always will end up on somebody's roster because we have multiple Saint fans in that league and somebody will always draft him <laughs> at minimum. Yeah. Um but yeah to the actual season itself like receiving wise like he really was never a factor except the time around the time when Jawan Johnson had missed time and I just distinctly remember this because one of the games Jawan Johnson missed was against the Texans and I was at the game and he had like seven receptions in that game. So, you know, he had he had this midseason spike from week six through nine where he was the tight end six three of those times and and also a tight end three. So, you know, he had a midseason kind of spell where he helped guys out. But by and large, he usually was receiving anywhere from one to two targets in a week. And then just depending on what they were doing in the red zone or what kind of packages he could get some rushing attempts. So overall, like he would never be a guy that I would draft. Um, I would definitely pick him up off the waiver wire. If I happen to need a tight end spell um, and the options were looking slim, but yeah, I I'm not expecting him to be here again next season, but who knows with uh, new Orleans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he won't be on my draft board except in best ball. In best balls, that that's one. Yeah. Oh, okay. I do have a positive. Um, in best ball drafts, I should have been scooping more Taysom Hill, like in um, you know, those rounds. I think what what are those? Those are eighteen. Those are those are eighteen uh, man rosters, I believe. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I sh- I should have been scooping him up. You know, rounds fifteen somewhere, you know, around 15 through 18, he should have been on way more of, of my rosters. Like he's with, with, with who he is and how they use him and whatnot. Like he's a perfect best ball into the bench kind of, kind of dude. Um, 
but yeah, as far as managed managed leagues, I I couldn't be bothered, my dude. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, that is tight ends one through twelve. Um, we have thirteen through fourteen listed here. Um, I'll just throw out some guys that are listed. We got like Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews, John New Smith, Hunter Henry, Darren Waller, Tyler Higby. Just some of the guys in that. Um, 13 through 24 area. Are there any guys that you want to highlight in that area or even outside of that? Um, yeah, man, I think that I, I think that Mark Andrews will be back. You know, obviously he got, he, he, he sustained that. Um, I think it was like a broken ankle or something like some severe ankle injury with that awful, um, what do they call that? Drop tackle or hip drop tackle. Um, that, that he got hit with, but he was having a good year up to that point. You know, he was 13 and a half fantasy points per game. So, you know, I think he'll be right back. I think he'll be right back to, you know, elite status next year. And I'll be looking. Um, well, I'm saying this, I said, I'm, I was about to say, and I'll be looking to draft him kind of where he was going this past year, but I say I likely showed some things this year. So maybe, maybe that's something worth, um, worth thinking about. Um, as far as um, maybe a hit to his playing time and or, you know, them running a lot more two tight end sets and, and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I, I fully think he'll bounce back um, for, for next year. Dallas Goddard, he's he's a little concerning to me because, you know, he, he also suffered, um, what was that, like he broke his, broke his arm or something like that um, during, during the season. But he wasn't doing all that great on on top of that. And, you know, he it feels like he got – one, he got a little lost in the shuffle, it seems like. And, you know, the Philly passing game just wasn't what it was the year before this year. And, you know, they – you want to talk about a team that limped to the finish line of, of, of the season. You know, um, Tampa Bay booting them from the playoffs, that just seemed like a formality at the time like that that offense was just it, it was just hurt so you know he's somebody that man his outlook for next year we want to talk about cloudy man because yeah they i believe they fired their offensive coordinator and i think they hired somebody I, i'm 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 not totally up to date on the news about that but like that offense is due for a major makeover and it seems like he should be a big part of it it, it it seems like it, and but yeah, there's a, there's a lot in the air with him, and I've oh man, he he really hurt a lot of my teams. I I really felt comfortable drafting him where I did, and um, even injuries aside, like for him to finish the way he did, just man, that 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 stuff that that really really hurt. Um, I mean, I can say a few words about a lot of these guys. Um, Kyle Pitts, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know, you try to you you put the fork into the electric socket, and like that should be a one-time thing. You shouldn't do it again. Am I about to sign up to do this three times now that uh, now that Arthur Smith is out of the paint in, in Atlanta? I think I might. I, I, I think I might. I think um I think I recall seeing something or hearing something about. At the end of the season, he came out and said that he was a little more injured than he let on. Or, oh, I, th- I think it was that 
when he had his his knee surgery or whatever, he, there was a procedure that he had that um, that wasn't disclosed throughout the year that could you know kind of maybe account for how he didn't look right towards until towards the end of the year. So there's a narrative storm brewing around why we should be back on the Kyle Pitts train next year. And damn it, man, I think I'm going to get back on next year. <laughs> um, and, you know, but that'll be the last time I swear. I swear that'll be the last time. But um, yeah, th- those are some of the guys that, that, that stick out to me um, from, from, from like the second half of the, uh, of, of the tight end list. Well, yeah, the, the thing with Kyle Pitts is like, you know, where where is he going to be going, right? Because I look at this list of tight ends and like Laporta, Ingram, Kelsey, if he's back, Hawkinson, Kittle, and Joku, McBride, and I'm, and I'm safe to say Ferguson, all those guys are going to go above him in my opinion. And so once you're you're looking at Kyle Pitts as a tight end nine or ten currently, like I'm perfectly fine with taking that gamble because then you're pretty much in the streaming streets anyways. So yeah, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely in on him again. Like unless for some reason he boosts up to like tight end four on draft boards, then I'm like, well, okay, I'm gonna need to see some stuff or hear some stuff in preseason. But um, yeah, back to back to Mark Andrews. Yeah, perfectly agree with you. He's gonna be pretty much, I think, drafted where he was going, regardless what likely showed us, because 2.1 yards per route run, 54 yards uh per game, which was the sixth most, and then 0.6 touchdowns per game, which tied with Laporta. Um yeah, those, those stats you can't ignore, and he was a tight end for before his injury. So, yeah, I'm I'm back in on Mark Andrews, um, unless they specifically say, hey, we're going to be subbing in Isaiah Likely more than, yeah, I'm back in. Um, Darren Waller, man, <sighs> he missed five games midseason due to injury, but, you know, he had three top 10 finishes in 12 games, which, you know, that's not great, but all those occurred during week one through seven, which was the time he was healthy before he went out. But during that time, week one through seven, he saw the fifth most targets. He had the third most yards at 380. He was the tight end five during this time as well on 81% of the routes run, 20% of the targets per, I'm sorry, 20% targets per route run and a 23% target share. So kind of based on that, he would have been on pace for about 782 receiving yards, and that would have been eighth highest among tight ends. So, like, I'm saying all this to say, like, I'm not out on Darren Waller if he's, you know, going to be cheap, if you will, Um, and if Daniel Jones is back because that tended to be when he had the most success. So, yeah, he's interesting to me in that aspect. Um, You have any thoughts on Darren Waller at all? Uh, he's. I'm more than likely going to be fading him okay. um, ne- next season. I. It's his hamstrings are just never going to be right, and like you're going to be at a. It's going to be a situation where every week is he's going to be at risk to um, to pop up with the hamstring injury that sidelines him for three to six weeks, mm-hmm. and you know that's just. I feel you. This is like the last two or three years of 
of, of his career that that just seems to be a thing, you know. Um, it, in best ball, sure, I get him as a tight end too. Um, I, I do that, but in in redraft managed leagues, like I wouldn't be looking to to get him as my as, as my set it and forget it tight end one. Um, or if I find myself in a situation where you know I punted on tight end and maybe I do draft two tight ends, I could maybe see him um, on my roster in, in that way. But like, no way am I going into a season next year with him as my um, as my number one tight end. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not what I wanted to convey. Like, no, you're not going in with him as your set it and forget it tight end. There's only a set few of six, seven guys. And, you know, this season kind of got him out of the pain out of that tier. But like you said, yeah, if you end up going tight end late and you just want to get two tight ends to just square yourself off, yeah, perfectly fine there. Um, last two tight ends I want to cover, and then I'll turn it over to you if you have any other talk. Green Bay's tight ends of Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft. I'll have some interest here in these guys, particularly in best ball streets. Uh, they had six top 12 yeah. performances between the two of them. And then when, when um, you know, early in the season, it was Luke Musgrave um, running 71% of the route, 16% targets per route run, 14% target share weeks one through 11. And then once he got hurt, it turned over to Tucker Craft, who had 85% of the routes and 16% uh, target share and targets per route run. I think either one of these guys, just depending upon how stuff shakes out, are going to be great best ball third tight ends to have if you have one of those bills or even a second tight end, uh, simply because I, I expect Green Bay's offense to do the things that it did last year, like build upon what it had with Jordan Love and those wide receivers. And this is just a cheap way to get a piece of that, um, considering like how these guys perform. Now, you know, with what Tucker Craft gave us, I don't know if it's going to be a split backfield then or what, but, you know, it's just a, a situation I'm interested in investing in best ball late. Yeah, I man, I, I I completely agree with that. Um, there, I think you know, as things stand now, those two guys are going to be a nightmare um, for managed leagues. Oh yeah, next year, yeah, it's it's. I mean that that whole pass catching core is going to be a nightmare. Yeah, um, for 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 next year, um, but yeah, for for sure for for best ball, you know, some uh, you know filling out some. Some Jordan Love stacks, you know, and best ball mania and whatnot. Like, yeah, um, bring them on down. I'm, I'm with it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Green Bay will be a team we will have some interesting discourse on, in particular. Well, the receiving options, in particular, wide receiver, and to a lower extent, tight end for sure. Yeah, I bet they're they're probably going to be steamed up. That that passing attack is probably going to be steamed up. Uh, and and in best ball drafts just because of you know what they showed down down the stretch and um and you know how there's how there's a lot of game stacking that goes uh, there's a lot of week 17 game stacking that goes into um those season long best ball tournament leagues um sure. I, I could see i could see you know their 
their ADP is being pushed up significantly higher than what it would than what their um, than what those ADPs will be in reach athletes for for sure. I agree with you on that. Any other tight ends in your mind at all? Um, you know, I'll be interested to see. I think Chigakakwo is good. I, I I think he's good. It's just that quarterback situation. Is you know is is Levis a dude? Um, you know they they hired Brian Callahan as as their coach. He was the offensive coordinator for the Bengals, and he was. Um, they they were able to squeeze a lot out of Jake Browning. Maybe he you know maybe this dude is some sort of quarterback whisperer type, or if not a quarterback whisperer, maybe he's just good at. Um, at crafting an offense and molding an offense around the strengths of his quarterback. And if that bears out, then, you know, Chick, <clears throat> excuse me, Chick could be in for for an uptick this this next season because the dude's a hell of an athlete. He can get down the field. Um, I, I, I think he's, I think he's all right. Now he's not going to be, he's certainly not going to be somebody I'm targeting and in redraft or whatever, but, um, sure. I wouldn't be afraid to throw to throw a few ducats his way um, in in best ball scenarios, but yeah, he he's just somebody I'll have I'll have an eye on, but won't you know I won't necessarily be valuing too too high. But I'm curious to see what shakes out for him next season. Yeah, I agree with you on on that aspect for sure. Um, yeah, we were big on Chig coming into this season, you know, with the kind of lack of weapons around and maybe him emerging, but it just didn't happen. That passing game was just, ugh. Yeah. Really, really bad. Really, really bad. <laughs> Nowhere to go but up. <laughs> this is true. This is true. All right. I think we are good. Close the books on tight ends for the 2023 fantasy football season. Um, next podcast, we'll probably get into running backs. I think that's the route we'll go. Um, looking at numbers one through 12, then we'll do another episode doing 13 through 24. And obviously we break it up like this because running backs tend to be a position you play more spots on in your rosters as well as wide receivers. So we'll do the same for that. Um, I guess before we get out of here, you got anything for the good people? Um, no, that's, you know, I hope everybody has enjoyed football. Um, if you're still kicking around in your, um, in your, you know, playoff best ball leagues, wishing y'all all the luck. Um, also I have just recently found out NBA DFS is fun as hell. So um, <laughs> I found a new obsession and I'm looking forward to diving deeper down that rabbit hole uh, for, for the for the rest of the NBA season. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't want to get into NBA, hey, get into some college basketball this weekend. We got a bunch of top matchups. You got Houston and Kansas, two top 10 teams. You got Duke and North Carolina, two top 10 teams in the rivalry there. So get into some college basketball if you're interested in these basketball streets. Yes, sir. Sports is still sporting out here. 
They are indeed. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. It is your boy, Derek, my brother, Daryl. We are out of here. Peace.